0: One more thing to mention uh, for those in person and online, uh, if you are wanting to come back to the building but you're a little uncomfortable with being in the sanctuary uh, where there's more people, uh, feel free to come. We have a large a lounge that is largely empty. Uh, so I know every week some people are down there because they don't want to be up here. They're not comfortable. And so they're down there so they can still be at the building, still hang out after the service, and still come to church. Uh, it's open down there. There's a lot of seating. There's a lot of room. So that's just an invitation uh, for you. So we've been in this series called The Raised Life. And it's a series that we started out of Easter, and it's going, well, if all this is true with Jesus, like if all this has happened, what then should be true about the way that we live? See, because if what Jesus did was true, if he came, he lived, he died, was buried, and resurrected, then that should cause a change in our Lives. It should cause a change in the way that we live. It should cause a change in the way that we think. It should cause a change in the way that we operate in this world. And so we talked about the first week, our identity. Our identity is, fu- is fundamentally different because of what Jesus has done. We are new Creations. We are new people out with the old. Old Jamie's gone. New Jamie is here. That means I am free from things, but I'm also free to a different life. And, And then the second week we talked about this mission that Jesus calls us to. He comes back, reveals himself to his followers, and then says, Hey, go. You now have a mission. And that's to go. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them how to obey Scripture, how to live that raised life. In the next couple weeks, uh, we are going to be talking specifically about the Holy Spirit. Uh, So, uh, it's going to be fun. I've never specifically done like a, a teaching on the Holy Spirit, but for the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. But today I want to take that mission and take it one step further. See, what happens after Jesus says, "Hey, disciples, go. You now have a mission." They were walking away from the city, and they turned and they started walking towards the city. And then they waited, for what? Holy Spirit, right? That's what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. They waited for the Holy Spirit to come, but then when the Holy Spirit came, their lives changed. And they started living differently. I, I think a lot of issues with Christianity that are playing out in our culture currently, maybe some of the issues that you have with Christianity, Are because you're not seeing Christians live differently. It may be because you're not living differently yourself. Therefore, we aren't living differently. So you could pick it up, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes on the scene. Uh, There, Peter addresses the crowd, and then the church begins to gather they start to do this mission together as a community. Side note, it's really hard to live the Christian life. It's really hard to put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus. It's really hard to do things like read scripture, pray, all alone. There's a reason why the church exists, and it's to gather a community of people that are following Jesus, that are living this thing out. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see kind of the beginnings of the church on the scene. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone that had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily Uh, what do you notice about these verses what do you notice about the early church Holy Spirit comes they, they start gathering together and meeting together they're eating meals together they're praying together they're worshiping together they're studying scriptures together And then they're living out this go make disciples because they are traveling around. They're telling people about Jesus. They're blessing people like no one in their community had a need. Just think about that. That would be all of us coming together and going, yeah, I got a home to sell. I'll sell that. I got some cars to sell. I got some investments I'm going to sell. I got some things, this stash of money over here. Like, All of their stuff became all of our stuff. Like, to me, that is just mind-blowing. And there's a part of me that looks at the early church and goes, can we even live that way as a church in America, in our culture? And I, I think one of the first things we just have to be honest about is, I'm not sure we can without it getting all weird, you know? This is an amazing community that they started to build. And so I was thinking, what are some markers that were part of this community? What were some identifying markers that we could look at and go, oh, okay, this is part of what they did. How can we start doing that? So they were, first, they were intentional. They were intentional with their lives. They were intentional with their time. They were intentional with their talents, they were intentional with their treasure. They were intentional to keep meeting together. To on a weekly basis go, hey, Monday night, seven o'clock, we're gonna keep meeting together because we think this is important. We think this is crucial to how we live the Christian life. So we're gonna meet together, we're gonna pray together, we're gonna read scripture together, and we're going to eat together. And they gathered. They prayed. They worshiped. They studied scripture together. They ate together. And they were intentional with their time, talents, and treasure. They were building these practices and their habits into their community. So, quick question. What are the practices and habits that you have in your life when it comes to following Jesus? How are we intentional with our time, with our talents, and with our treasure as we follow Jesus? Because it takes intentionality, doesn't it? It takes intentionality to do life with other people. It takes intentionality to be in a small group, to commit to studying with others, to meeting with others, to being friends with others. It takes intentionality to go out for coffee, to meet for lunch, to grab a beer sometime. How are we intentional with these habits in our lives? around reading scripture together, praying together, eating together. And then here's the interesting thing. As the early church met, like I, I find something really fascinating. The early church was uh, totally diverse. Like, you had people gathering for the early church. Like, it wasn't a time when, like, there was a church on every corner, right? Like, I didn't like, I don't like this church that much. I don't like the the way the lights are. I'm gonna go to this church. Uh, I I don't like really the way the pastor speaks. I'm gonna go over to this church. Uh, I don't really like the worship music. I'm gonna go over to this church. I, I don't like the way the place smells. I'm gonna go over to this church. I don't know. We can find any excuse to go to another church, but it wasn't that way in the early church. And I almost think it was better. (laughs) The early church, there was one church to be a part of. So you had one group of people that met in your community. You met with those people. Why? Because they were Jesus followers. That's it. There were people of different ethnic backgrounds. There were people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. Like today, the church rather like looks pretty similar as a whole. You go walk into any church and you'll find usually the similar types of people. But back then, you had people from all, all walks of life meeting together, doing community together. And do you think there were issues that came up? is this very diverse group of people from all different walks of life started to come together and start to organize themselves centered on Jesus. Do you think any issues popped up? Like, do you think there was anybody in the group that was like posting crazy stuff on Facebook? Or do you think there was anybody crazy in the group posting weird things on Instagram? Or that aligned with Different political beliefs or values or different cultural values and beliefs. Of course, there were. Like, let's not paint the early church to be like this kumbaya, beautiful, serene little thing. Like, no. I'm going to bet that it was really challenging to be in those communities. There were temptations to go, I don't want to be intentional with my time for this group. I don't want to serve this group. I don't want to love these people like they're too different from me. And I think that's why there are so many times in the New Testament like as you walk through that there are instructions on how to live together. How to love one another. How to serve one another. These were letters written in the church to church people because there were issues. Because as they met around tables, as they studied scripture together, as they prayed together, as they tried to serve one another, be generous with one another... There were issues that challenged the very framework that they were going for. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 just gives us one of the pictures of what it looked like to be in community as the church. In Colossians chapter 3, we talked a lot about Colossians uh, 1 through 4-ish, uh, the first sermon of this series. And as we begin in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. So, default... You are no longer you. You are raised with Jesus. This is the raised life I am talking about. The new creation, the new you, the one that's fueled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live differently in this world and do the mission of Jesus to go and make disciples. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things that are above Go back to the first sermon if you want to hear some thoughts on that. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on earthly things. This is the framework, the foundation of Colossians 3. You need to start there. We participate in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we are raised to a new life. To live different. So set your mind on things that are above. Not on all this stuff. Get your mind higher. On things of Jesus. And as you set your mind on Jesus, that should greatly influence how you live on earth. It says, For you died. Your life is now hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And then Paul goes on, put to death therefore, because all of these things are true, because you are a new creation, you are raised with Christ, you are no longer the old you, but you're the new you, freed from a bunch of things and free to a bunch of things. Therefore, put these things to death. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived you used to walk this way but because of Jesus you now walk differently and you must rid yourselves of all such things, anger rage, malice Slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self, uh, Paul kind of dresses this in the language, I imagine, like he's thinking of like a closet. You take off certain clothes and you put on other clothes. So he's saying, take off all these things that are part of your old self. Put them to death. Don't mess with them anymore. And put on the new self, which is being renewed. Being renewed is an active state. It is not that you are renewed one point and that's it. It is not that you flip a switch and you can get rid of all these things. You can put all these things to death. But it's that day by day, as you are intentional with your time, your talents, your treasure, you surround yourself with community that is studying scripture together, that is praying together, you are being renewed in your new self. So maybe there's something in this old list that Paul says, put to death. And you're like, man, I tried to put that to death 500 times, but I can't seem to shake it. I want to encourage you that as you follow Jesus, as you are in this church community, there will be a day when you look back at that thing and go, wow, I put that to death five years ago. And I can't even really remember how, but throughout this process, Jesus changed what my thoughts, how my thoughts were working and changed how it was living. And now I'm no longer tempted to go back to the old self. I'm living in the new that is being renewed day by day. It's an active process. And we have a hard time with that, don't we? Because we want it to happen now. Paul says, put it to death. I'm going to put it to death tonight. Dang it, it's back tomorrow morning. How did that happen? We're stuck in the tension. The already but not yet tension. But I don't know about you, but I find encouragement in that. That as I am renewed in Jesus, I am also being renewed and transformed. He is slowly, surely changing my mind, changing what I think about, changing how I live. And then he says there's no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So because of who you are in Jesus, put to death all of these things. Now, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved. Listen to that. You, the church, are God's holy and chosen people, and He loves you. Clothe yourself, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. That Bear, like I love it, it's such a gritty word, like bear with each other. It means it's not going to be easy. It means that someone's going to do something you don't like. Someone might do something you don't like for a long time. And time and time again throughout the New Testament, it says this is what's supposed to be a mark of this community, this uh, body of Jesus. We are supposed to bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you have any grievance against someone else, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Because love binds it all together. So why did the early church meet together in their homes? Why did they eat dinner together? Why did they pray together? Why did they read scripture together? Why did they sell things like they took what Jesus gifted them with, their treasure... And they said, we are going to live open-handed. If somebody has a need, we as a community, we're going to sell whatever we need. We're going to provide for that community. Why on earth would someone live that way? It's because of Jesus. And it's because of love. Because when you love Jesus, when you're Lives are centered on Jesus. That's what it looks like. You love one another. You serve one another. You're compassionate with one another. You're gentle with one another. You bear with one another. You forgive just as Jesus forgives you. Real quick, I think it's interesting because love is the thing that binds it all together. Love is the motivation. Love of Jesus is the motivation. Our culture and society is kind of messed up in the way that we think about love. Like you might go, how do we do this? How do we live like this? How do we live like the early church? How do we live like Colossians 3 where I put to death all these things and I put on all these things and I live in a harmonious community with everyone? I don't know, bear with one another doesn't sound like harmony all the time. How do we do it? I, I think first off, we can't define love how our Western culture defines love. Uh, like There's one rule here. Rule number one, uh, we don't define love by our Western culture. See, the way that dictionaries define love is that it's this intense feeling of deep affection. Right? Like that's what all the songs are written about. This deep, intense feeling of affection that I have for somebody. What's the problem with that? I'll tell you, that deep, intense affection, not infection, affection goes away at some point. And the way that we define love in our Western culture is just a shadow of how the Bible defines love. See, as a Jesus father, we need to define love by watching God's love for his people and the church. Jesus' love for you and I. Jesus' love for the church. That's how we need to define love. And it's complicated because right now, culturally, I think there are two big lies going on right now about love. The first... If you don't line up with my beliefs, my values, you can put whatever in there, I won't love you. If you don't align up with my political views, with my values, if you don't align, like we see this divisiveness in our country and in our church, big church, and it's a lie. If you don't line up with everything that I believe, I won't love you. Where is that in the gospel? Where is that in the Bible? The other lie is kind of the flip side of that. If you don't accept me for all that I am and all that I do and all that I think, you can't love me. It's these two lies that we buy into in our culture. That are so anti scripture. Like, could you imagine if Jesus did that to you? Well, I'm not gonna love you unless you believe everything that I believe. Like, if you line up in every uh, theological point that I have, and I'm correct because I'm Jesus, like, if you don't line up there, I don't love you anymore. No, it's the gospel, it's the grace. So why don't we reflect that in our community? It is loving one another is this rugged commitment. Not based on emotion or affection, but rather a commitment to a people. A commitment to a person. I am going to love you Regardless. No matter how crazy you act, I'm still going to love you. We see this time and time again throughout the New Testament. And this is the main point of these last verses in Colossians. A community that is marked by rugged love, that will not go anywhere, that won't change based on some ideology. It stands. It remains. Here's a question. How do we love like this? How do we create communities like this? How do you create this place of, this type of culture, this atmosphere in your life? I think it comes down to what the early church did. To how the early church lived. Being intentional about our time. Being intentional about who we are in relationship with. Being intentional about shutting down the Netflix and calling a friend. Being intentional about the fact that we need to pray with other people, that we need to read scripture together so that it shapes our lives, being intentional to set our minds on things above rather than these earthly things, to be intentional, to be putting to death those things that are part of our old selves and be putting on the new self. So as a worship team comes up, what are you doing? What are we doing? Are you in a small group? This is the reason why we have small groups, so that there's intentional time to pray, to read scripture together, to focus on Jesus. And guess what happens when you're involved in a small group? You start to make really good friends that you start to live life with. Are you intentional while being in the Word? By yourself and with other Christ followers? Are you intentional about eating meals together with other Christ followers? Grabbing coffee, grabbing a beer, grabbing breakfast, grabbing lunch. I don't care what you grab, as long as you're hanging out with other Jesus followers that you can share life with. And are you intentional about being generous with your time, your talents, your treasure? I'll say it again as I said in the beginning I think a lot of people have problems with the church and with Christians I have problems with the church and with Christians when we don't live differently because if what Jesus did is true and if he sends his Holy Spirit to us we are to live differently. Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus, I pray. I pray that you work on our minds, in our hearts, in our relationships around us, that we would chase after this raised life, That we would live differently for your name, for your mission. Transform us, Jesus. Continue to renew our minds and our hearts. In your name we pray, amen.